0: Wapaknaz is Love People, Loving People to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapaknaz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Good morning. So next Sunday, There might be a black stripe on our carpet. (laughs) Miracles do happen, and the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Praise the Lord. He does exist. I think in the book of Hezekiah, chapter 22, it says, in the year 2022, the Bengals will be in the Super Bowl. (laughs) If you want to look that book up, enjoy, because it's not there and it doesn't exist. But I would ask that you do open up to Psalm 18. We're going to land there and then we're going to jump to John 11. And as you're opening your scripture or pulling out your phone or your Dead Sea Scroll, whatever you have, um, I want to remind you, as I mentioned earlier, that that we are on a journey. Um, It just started out in January just to to read the Gospels um, succinctly, but we're just going to continue into the New Testament and read the rest of the New Testament over the course of several months. And this month, uh, the month of February, there's 73 chapters that we're going to be soaking in and saturating in, and that would be Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians. It's about three chapters a day, 2.6 chapters a day. It's not about getting behind and feeling the stress. It really is about soaking up the Word of God and uh, getting getting into His heart for you and I and uh, his intention for our life and so I just want to encourage you in that and challenging you in that Uh, more than likely you should be around chapter 15 16 or 17 in the book of Acts what an amazing book it is Um, again that's where our prayer came from this morning it's been said and I'm I'm paraphrasing this uh, that the reward for a battle well fought is another battle I don't know how much I like that but I think it's true a little bit Um, this past Tuesday morning for the the third time in three weeks and the fourth time in seven weeks I stood before a grieving family and officiated another funeral And in all it's been six funerals in seven weeks uh, that I've attended or been a part of a colleague on this district my mom my wife's best friend's father um, and three people that uh, at one time or another sat in these pews, and we're a part of this body of Christ. Um, and Tuesday was a 23-year-old young lady, and all day Tuesday, especially standing before her family and friends, I just I felt much like what David describes here in a portion of Psalm 18. If you would look at verse 3 and 4, I think this, you might find yourself in 3 and 4 as well. Uh, The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. I don't think I've ever in my life felt like death was pressing in to my life as much as it has been over the course of the last seven weeks. Um, I went downstairs yesterday to get caffeinated bean water. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's called coffee. Um, And I realized that my downstairs is is actually a public place. Um, And so I I ran into a, a friend of mine. And the generalities of the conversation quickly moved. We moved past those. And in the short conversation he shared that In the last six months he and his family have experienced a lot of death which has caused him as a man of faith to reevaluate life work relationships parenting ministry because he isn't involved in all of those and he said life is short and i want to do what matters seems to be pressing in on a lot of people um, particularly our folk here Um, and if you're listening online you're our folk you're our tribe and so as I stood in between that 23 year old girl and her family and friends that were sitting in grief and shock I asked the same question that I'm pretty sure they were asking themselves that I've been asking for weeks. Um, where's God? Where's God in all this? Where is he? Does 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 he care? Is he invested? All those questions that we ask because we're human, right? And I'm finding more and more that that is the common ground for all of humanity, whether they believe in a living God and follow Jesus Christ or they don't. We all have these questions and more often than not when we move to that one word why we ask the why life-size wise, all of us doesn't matter where you are in life what stage what generation you may be from whether you're a boomer an Xer, a millennial, a Z, or some other form of alphabet, I don't know, you're asking this question. And if you haven't asked this question, you will ask these questions. And often our life size wise, they seem to keep us from being well within the soul sometimes now I don't particularly appreciate or like the phrase as I've told my sister many times as she's said everything happens for a reason I don't agree with that tragedy and horrific circumstances at the hands of humanity there's no reason for that for instances in genocide and abortion. Not everything happens for a reason, but I digress. These life-size questions that we have, they loom, they loom over our heads and our hearts like an albatross. But again, I think they're common ground for all of us, whether we're a believer in Christ or not. And one story that continues to resonate and then rear its head comes out of John, chapter 11. If you would scroll there or flip there or whatever you would like. From ground zero, and in this moment, ground zero is worry, it's panic. It's concern. It's shock. And it's impending death. There's illness. And so, word is sent to Jesus, who is miles away from ground zero. Two sisters concerned about their brother. who's literally on the threshold of death and they sent word to Jesus and they said the one you love is sick it's a message of desperation and despair and it's understood in the statement you need to get here and you need to get here quickly It's layered in hope because Jesus is the only one that can do anything at this point in time. Now, I want to remind you, or maybe teach you for the first time, that simple prayers are sometimes the most genuine, most profound, and heartfelt. We don't judge you by the eloquence of your prayer. God does not judge you by the eloquence of your prayer, but the sincerity of your heart with which you pray. And so, in this moment, I wish the story looked different, but it doesn't. Because if I wrote this story, I would have Jesus dropping everything and running to ground zero but he doesn't he doesn't go there he stays where he is a couple more days and then as if there were even any time right like there's no time here well now it's time to go Knowing full well that if he goes in that direction, the wheels will begin to turn in motion, that his life will eventually end as well. So he goes. And on the threshold of the village of Bethany, he learns that Mary and Martha's brother, his name is Lazarus, has died. Now looking at the time frame if you do just a little math which I'm not really good at anymore more than likely Mary and Martha sent the messengers to Jesus pretty much right around the time that their brother was about to pass. They're worshiping upstairs. That's what you're hearing. They're worshiping. They seem to have an awesome time of worship up there. It's awesome. Jesus gets to the edge of town to this village word gets back to home and Martha one of the sisters runs to Jesus' side and we'll pick it up verse 20 When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Listen to her words. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. let's let that weigh heavy for a second if you would have been here my brother would not have died it's raw emotion grief and all the other emotions that you could possibly put together and jam pack them into a body full of flesh In other words, where were you? Where are you? Where were you in all of this? Where were you, Jesus? Lazarus is not only dead, and as some preachers have said, he's, he's dead, dead. Meaning, after three days there is no way, no how anything else can happen. He is, he is gone and he will never ever come back. Grief and loss and absence are center stage for Martha. Where were you? The Bible tells us that Jesus deeply loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. This was a family that was outside of Jesus' inner circle of 12 that he spent some time with and that he cared for and that cared for him. It says that he loved them. And here, Martha is coming to Jesus and she's asking a very hard question in her statement about someone she deeply loves and he deeply loves. Where were you? Where were you? And if that isn't it, as the story progresses, Mary, Mary runs and comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, and asks the very same question in her statement of, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. I find something very profound, spiritually, and freeing in this moment of, of grief and the telling of Lazarus. We often think in this in this. Story. It's the, la- it's the story of Lazarus' resurrection that Jesus calls him forth and he rises from the dead. But there's, there's so many nuances and layers in this story that, that I, I just want to get to the resurrection because that's awesome. But if we sit in the story, I think we find something very freeing. Something important for our life. Something, I don't know, necessary for our faith. God. It's the hard questions. It's asking the hard questions. I think over the the course of my life in the church, there's been this unwritten collective rule amongst the church that You just don't ask these questions. You don't talk about these things. Just have a little bit more faith. You'll be good. Just trust a little more. And I honestly, I appreciate Sandy and how she was processing today. She had no idea where we're going today with this. No clue. Neither did I. Surprise! Surprise! Obviously, you can see we're not on a series because sometimes life doesn't come in series, right? Asking the hard questions. They didn't bite their tongue, they didn't hold back they expressed their soul and they expressed what they were feeling to Jesus. They were in the push and pull of genuine faith. I think disingenuine faith is where you don't ask the hard questions. That you don't wrestle with it. A deepened faith comes from when you do ask these questions and you wrestle with them. But I've also found, myself included, so I'm throwing myself into the ring here, that I found it easier at times to be angry with God and to interrogate God, kind of like that old, that police um, interrogation where the lights ride on the person and they're sweating and all they're getting is a barrage of, of questions, right? I, I find it easier sometimes to, to do that and interrogate God and never give him an opportunity to answer the question nor myself to listen to the answers. Last night, um, after I had written the sermon, um, winding down in the evening, I decided to read a very difficult chapter in a book. I don't know why, but okay. Um, I picked up where I left off, and I started this chapter in a book called The Genius of Jesus by Erwin McManus. and um, The chapter is The Genius of True. And I'll read this portion of the the chapter he he goes into this scenario where he at his church at one point in time they actually had a, a, a weekly um, Q, Q and A time where hundreds of people would come in and, and he would be asked questions and it says years ago I found myself in a heated debate with a brilliant atheist at a weekly Q and A he was angry at God for the hypocrisy he experienced growing up in church there were probably 200 people in the room but this man was the only one asking questions it's not that no one else had anything to say he simply did not allow anyone else the opportunity to join the conversation each time I answered his questions he would come at me with another without stopping to reflect for an atheist to be angry at God always seems like a strange thing to me. By the man's third or fourth question, I realized I wasn't making any progress. And I sensed his questions were disingenuous. His questions were not for the purpose of discovery, but to prove his intellectual superiority. Just before the man posed what would be his last question, I asked him to pause. I will answer one more question, I said. If it is the question that keeps you from tru- keeps you from trusting God with your life. I challenged him to ask me the question that if I answered it well, he would acknowledge his need for God and open his soul to the invitation of Jesus. They passed what seemed to be an eternity of silence the man seemed to find himself at an unexpected crossroad. He was loaded with questions that had kept him from faith, but unprepared to voice the one question that would allow him to believe. He finally broke the silence by asking for a rain check. He said that the question was too important to ask on short notice. He asked if he could think about it for a week and return the next week to continue the conversation. I said, of course. Take your time. Find the questions that will lead you to the answers you seek. He never did come back. Sometimes the weight of that ultimate question is more than we are ready to to bear and he concluded that story with I hope that there came a day when he found the courage to ask it Mary and Martha had the courage to ask it they were at a crossroads themselves they were overwhelmed by the circumstance you heard Katie talk about her life and where she was you've heard me share a little bit about where I am and I know some of the stories that you have told me over the course of the last several weeks of where some of you are. I don't know necessarily know how you're feeling or what you're dealing, but I at least know some of the circumstances. You're at that crossroad. And the very simple, practical thing that comes out of this is begin to ask questions our God has some big shoulders and his heart is much bigger than his shoulders I was often afraid to ask the hard question, the real question that would get me to belief, that would get me further in my faith because I was often afraid what he would say Now, in this instance, in John chapter 11, in this situation, Jesus' response is very comforting. Because he doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't admonish them. He doesn't say, you shouldn't have asked that. Or he doesn't say, we don't have time for that question. As I've heard, people have walked out of Bible studies, not, not, not in our church, but walked out of Bible studies and life groups because they weren't able to ask the hard question that was just eating at their soul. Jesus never said he didn't have time for that. In fact, what I find is very, very comforting and profound to know about Jesus. If you look, verse 32. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And the scripture that everybody wants to memorize, and quote, Jesus wept. In the core of your DNA, in the darkest parts of you, and the deep labyrinths of your mind, where pain and hurt and grief and questions and all of those things that, that are there Jesus was deeply moved in that same place he responded and in fact he responded as the scripture tells us to we mourn as you mourn we weep as you weep he's not oblivious to his teachings for those who mourn They will be comforted. And then when Jesus arrives at the tomb, it says Jesus once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. He's feeling the weight of the situation just as much as Mary and Martha are. And so I want you to know that the answer to our question the one question that we're asking today is where is God actually comes as a result of another question why did God become human now we talked about this at at Christmas in our hero series particularly our first sermon and if you haven't heard that one I would encourage you to go back to listen to that one and what we learned from that Asking that question, why did God become human? Yes, it was so that we could see God in the flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. And I think it's because He wanted to let us know that He understands us. It's empathy. You don't need pity. I don't need pity. Pity just produces pity, doesn't it? But what we do need is is a God that enters in the situation. Like one of us, as Jesus did, dwelling among us, Emmanuel, God with us, We need to know that we're understood. That the mishmash of emotions that we feel and the the confusing thoughts that we have, that it's okay to feel the feelings that we feel and think the thoughts that we do and that, that God is there and he understands because in Jesus Christ... God speaks human. In Jesus Christ, God speaks the language of humanity. He speaks human. And he enters in. And he says, I'm with you. I'm with you. Regardless of the hard questions that you ask me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you. When Moses was on the verge of stepping into his call, God said, I am with you. I will be with you. When Joshua took the baton of leadership from Moses and Moses has died, and in the grief that Joshua felt, and in the chaos of knowing that he's leading a group of Israelites into the promised land, and that he's going to have to battle after battle after battle, God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. When Jesus was departing from this earth, ascending to the right hand of the Father, as I call astronaut Jesus, At the end of Matthew chapter 28, he said, and I will be with you until the end of the age. When Pentecost happened, God's spirit entered humanity. And not only was God with us, but he was within us. Doesn't matter the hard questions. I think we need to know that God understands us and that he is with us and within us doesn't change the circumstance but it absolutely can transform our perspective in the moments where we are the weakest we can still walk we can still get up and get out of our bed and we can still live life there's hope We here at Wapaknaz believe that God welcomes your hard questions. Whatever stage of life you're in, whatever circumstance you have, whatever brink or threshold you are at the foot of, the precipice, he welcomes them. I think it's very brave to ask the hard questions, but I think it's even more courageous that you listen, that you pause, and you listen. I did not plan to walk through this book called Hope in the Dark on a whim in December when I started experiencing where death was starting to come in. No, I listened to this book way back in like August or September. And I thought this is something that maybe we need to walk in. This book begins to walk through some of the hard questions that we have about our faith. Questions we have to God. Now I'm going to let you know it doesn't answer them. But allows us, enables us to have some perspective on them. Gives us some practicality to walking out not life, but hard life. We give you freedom to ask those questions. You have those freedom, that freedom. And I'm not trying to peddle Life Group. I, I honestly believe I. I I really believe that this season is going to be a very healing season for people Um, so if you have have not entered in to any one of the three life groups that we have um, we're actually starting the book this evening Um, we're starting the conversation this evening and it's going to be a little bit about these hard questions but I I highly encourage you even if you're not a part of a life group that you take time that you pause in the chaos of life and you have a conversation with your Creator and ask him those questions and while you're asking them those questions that you know without a shadow of a doubt he understands your heart and your mind your feelings your emotions the chaos that you're in but I ask that you'd be willing to to embrace the wrestling and the answers that you receive or the the answers that you don't receive Because I think sometimes he doesn't give us those answers because he knows what's best for us. And that answer's probably not going to be best for us. So, would you mind bowing your heads and your hearts? And I would like for you to just have a conversation as a result of our conversation this morning. is that one question that you've held on to that if you would just ask it and listen you might actually have a breakthrough in your faith in Christ and God go ahead be brave to ask that question Heavenly Father, as we sit and stand before you, our God and our creator, the one who loves us more than anyone else could or would or will, you who know us more intimately and deeply than we even we know ourselves thank you for listening to the Nas podcast we hope you are moved deeply to step into god and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt light and yeast in your community and to love people to jesus